So I showed it to the doctor, and well, she said it's smashing. Smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about headless CMSs. What are they and how do they differ from more traditional systems? We talked to Alvin Bryan to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes brand new articles to the website throughout your working week? There's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help. It's your weekly update. In The Art of Looking Back, a critical reflection for individual contributors, Christian Mikkel discovers the importance of critical reflective practice and challenges some beliefs about reflection and its role in our work and growth. Christian suggests a routine for individual contributors and gives some practical recommendations that will make reflection meaningful and actionable. Adrian Becky looks at recreating YouTube's ambient mode glow effect. Discover with Adrian what's behind the charming glow effect on YouTube and how you can use it to make your own videos more immersive. Deconstruct YouTube's ambient mode feature and learn how HTML canvas and the request animation frame function are used to create this glowing effect. In Modern Technology and the Future of Language Translation, Adriano Riano notes that the field of language translation has never been more exciting. The opportunities for translation management systems to generate accurate, real-time translations are numerous, thanks to the growing and evolving development of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and natural language processing. Adriano discusses the evolution of language translation platforms, detailing how we got to where we are today, and what advancements we can look forward to in the coming years. Joas Pambu brings us up to speed with how to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to summarize chat conversations. In this article, Joyce explores how to build a chat summarizer using the Cohere API and deploy it as a web application using Gradio. He covers the steps involved in training the summarizer using sample chat conversations, interacting with the Cohere API to generate summaries, and creating user-friendly interfaces using Gradio. Oh, yeah! And in how to define an array of colors with CSS, Tamani Afif experiments with modern CSS features to create an array of colors. The goal is to define a comma-separated list of colors and iterate through them using an index, remixing existing CSS features into something that feels new and different. And that is your weekly update. Find all these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash articles. He's a developer advocate with the content management platform company Contentful. Before that, he used to be a lead engineer for Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal and has had various front-end roles. He's very UX-driven and happiest when collaborating with designers and pushing boundaries as a team. And these days, he's learning a lot about DevRel and loving it. So we know he's an experienced developer. But did you know he once taught Catherine Zeta-Jones to do a cartwheel? My smashing friends, please welcome Alvin Bryan. Hi, Alvin. How are you? I'm smashing. Thank you so much for having me here. It's It's an honor. Thanks for joining us. I, I wanted to talk to you today uh, about one of the key technologies that's really at the center of so many projects, but perhaps these days doesn't get the spotlight uh, shone on it so often um, because maybe it's not so glamorous as front-end frameworks or any of these other things. It's content management systems. 
Uh, we're all using them, but uh, I think sometimes the the discussion isn't there about it when it's so important. I just before we started, want to address the the elephant in the room, and that you're a developer advocate for Contentful, and I know we have a really savvy audience here at, at Smashing, and they'd see right through anything that was a, a thinly veiled ad for your <laughs> for your employer. Mm. So I just wanted to reassure the audience at this point that th- this is not that. Rather, it's the fact that your work leads you to have some some really great up-to-date knowledge of the space. And that's that's why you're the, the perfect guest for this episode. That, that's right, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think that's the difference between a developer advocate and a salesman, right? Like, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to help developers, whatever that looks like. At yeah. least this is how we approach DevRel at Contentful. I know it varies and this could be a whole, this could be a po- podcast episode on its own. It, it could be, couldn't it? We have, what is developer relations? Is it a function of sales? Is it a function of marketing? Is it, is it support? What is it? Yeah. So yes, that's a whole can of worms. Just to give a bit of background on me in this context, because I've got a lot of history with the content management space mm-hmm. from years of building bespoke systems for clients and then sort of distilling all that experience down into a, a CMS product, which, which I founded in 2009 and then sold in, in 2021. All the sort of CMS solutions that I've developed have uh, followed this sort of traditional model of the CMS being both the, um, the the sort of, well, being like the entire platform that delivered your website. So it'd be taking content and taking templates and merging all that together to create HTML pages, essentially. Is that approach to content management still a, uh, a valid thing in 2023, do you think? I think it's valid. Well, it, it's valid depending on what you're trying to build. Like Squarespace is... I'm pretty sure they're doing great. <laughs> I've, I've not looked at the, anything, any numbers, but they've been doing great for years and I'm sure they'll continue. So yeah, it's definitely a valid thing. But I think for the sort of place that would employ a developer, that may not be anymore. <laughs> it's almost that, that that sort of market from a development point of view, it's almost like a solved problem, isn't it? There are so many good CMSs for rolling out, for example, small websites. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what the latest stats on how much of the web is powered by WordPress, but it's approaching like yeah. half, isn't it? <laughs> and I believe it kept increasing as well, right? Like, right. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's definitely, it's a thing for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're here today to talk about headless CMS, which of course is the, uh, a different approach to, to the same problem. Um, I think most of us will have heard of, of Contentful in some capacity over the last you know, few years as one of the like, rising stars in the, in the headless CMS space. And you really can't talk about content management. You can't have a content management discussion these days without headless being a factor in, in that discussion. We mentioned WordPress, but even WordPress has a, a headless uh, mode. Drupal have what they call a decoupled mode, which I think is just the same thing. So getting down to brass tacks, what, what do we mean when we say uh, a headless CMS? What sort of problem is it solving for us? The problem it's solving is it's making a distinction between like what the CMS manages and what you get out of it. With the traditional CMS, you're tied to a website or a page, right? Where you made a page on WordPress and you ended up being a page on your website, right? And it's the approach that, as we said before, like this is what Squarespace does, this is what they all do. With Headless, you you manage your content and you get an and and you retrieve that content with an API call. So the way that looks on your website is completely decoupled. And this solves a lot of problems, especially with bigger companies, right? So you can imagine 
um, with, with Contentful, one of our biggest clients is IKEA, and you can and you can imagine that there's they have their they don't just have content on their website; they have physical catalogs, they have ads on sides the side of the road, like so all of that. I mean, this, you, you really have to break away from this old like one one page in the CMS equals one page on the website. Mm. So you end up more with a, a multi-purpose repository of, of content, yeah, the, with an API that you can then access it. So if you're IKEA. You can pull the same product description into your mobile app and right, onto your yeah. website and into what any number. Whatever, yeah. So that, yeah, I guess it is decoupling, isn't it? It's rather than saying this content is being produced on this HTML page, it's saying this is a system for managing content and here is an API for getting at that content and, and totally. using it however you want. So it sounds like um, it makes a, a, a whole sort of bunch of of problems especially around the reusing content space it makes that a lot easier uh are there any things do you think that using this approach make more difficult the, well the i think it's the time to iteration right because you're like depending on how well your system is set up mm. you can go around this but the beauty of it what we developers love about it is we have control what other people in the organization tend to hate is that we have control, right? And as a result, if you if you want a brand new section on your website, when you need a designer to design it, a developer to to make it work, this you can work around it with templates and like other things that we used to do. But in, in general, this can be a thing where people can be. Ah, I guess we need the. It, it's I, I can just you know spin up a new, a completely new section hmm. from scratch. I mean, again, it might be, but there would need to be something that's been set up previously, right? Right. So it's, you can put the content into the system, but you need something then to consume it in a targeted right. way yeah. to make use of it. Yeah, that, so that, that sort of, as you say, the iteration speed could be slower. One, one thing that I sometimes see online is people say, oh, if you use a headless CMS, it's terrible for SEO. It's dirty, but with my software engineering hat on, that sounds like a, a symptom of one possible implementation of using using a headless CMS, and it's not inherent to the overall solution, is it? I mean, you could be merging this content into a static website offline yeah. and then publishing it, or yeah. I guess when people take a purely client-side, single-page app approach to, to using that content, that might have uh, SEO implications. And that maybe is the sort of naive initial implementation that someone might go with. But yes, I, it's funny how often that, that crops up, almost like sort of one of these myths yeah. that drifts around people without maybe fully understanding the implications, just sort of repeat it. One, one thing that Contentful talks about in a lot of their materials is composable content. What does that mean? What are we talking yeah. about with composable content? It's the fancy new 2023 thing, isn't it? <laughs> So yeah, just to come back on on the SEO bit, I think yeah, as you said, it's just like anything that Google consumes is at the end of the day an HTML tag. It's no different to the P tag which you'll use to display whatever. So it's also up to you, the developer, to make sure that you create the OG tags that your content is there practically, mm -hmm. so the, the engines can crawl it. So it's nothing. The headless provider will just give you an API. You can do whatever you want with it. To go back to the composable thing now. It's yeah. So the a lot more people have started to move to it. You hear, you hear us talking about it. You hear some of our competitors talk about it. And Netlify is also kind of doubling down with 
the acquisition of Gatsby, for example, the idea is to go headless CMS plus, right? So mm -hmm. with headless, you say, oh, I have this one API that takes care of all my content. But now what if you could plug other things to, your, to this API? What if you could say, oh, I want, I'm just making stuff up here, but like, what if I want to connect my Slack to it, right? What if, what if we have, what if we have like a weather app or something like that, that like any other types of dynamic data that we need to combine with our content to have this sort of one API hmm. that gives us everything. And it's the idea of like, you're, again, you're composing what you need with your headless CMS. And that for us, that looks like an ecosystem of apps, meaning you can extend Contentful with different apps. It could be translation, could be, I mean, it's, it's 2023, so it could be GPT, could be anything else. So that's the idea, right? Your headless CMS also integrates with other data providers. So it becomes like a, an aggregator of other content. Yeah. So you, as well as having maybe a, a content editing team creating content, you might also be pulling stuff in from your Instagram feed. Yeah, or exactly. Or say yeah. a, di a dynamic feed from a third-party provider and then making that all available under one API to yes. all your different mm. consumers. Mm. Okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's, that makes sense. Especially with Instagram. Like, we've all seen the horrible, like, Instagram embeds mm. or the Twitter ones. I mean, Twitter API is a, a thing of the past <laughs> Let, now. But anyway, but yeah, just to give you an example of, like, you have this yeah. horrible embeds. And what if you could get that data from the headless CMS as well and then render it statically, right? That makes a lot more sense. Okay. So, yes, it's uh, just a, an aggregation function on top of um, the standard, as well as being the source of, of truth for your own content, exactly. also yeah. then brings in other pieces yeah. of content. Now, I've um, personally always been interested in like owning my own data where I can. And I'd usually pick a, a self-hosted solution for something rather than a service, given the mm -hmm. choice. Although I have mellowed over the years. <laughs> the the trade-offs I make now are very different from what yeah. I would made in the past. But with a headless CMS being API-driven, it seems like you've got a bit more flexibility there uh, as to where it's hosted. So you don't necessarily need the, the CMS and the website to live on the same server or in the same environment. You could separate those out. So is, is there added complexity there? Or does that, is that an opportunity for simplification? Have you any thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, it, it depends, like, it's because everything is from that one API, depending on your needs, that might get a lot of traffic, which will make self-hosting a problem, right? Because uh, as you said, you've, you've mellowed, as you said, to like self-hosting, because it's become easier to just set up something in the cloud, whereas like managing servers hasn't necessarily got easier. I mean, tech has changed, but it's still annoying. <laughs> it's just got complicated in different directions. Yes, right, yeah. <laughs> so th there are self-hosted headless CMSs. We're not one of them because again, we tend to target bigger clients that have, again, these needs for like these APIs. We're like ours, our CDN takes in, it's in the billions of requests per month. So we're like pretty for high traffic stuff. But yeah, if you're, if there are, there are solutions you can install. Strapi is one of them that is self-hosted. You can install it on your own server. And this will give you, as you said, headless CMS. You'll own your content, you'll get the API. But the drawback with that is obviously if you get a ton of traffic, then it will go to your server that you might not scale or you, don't, you might not want to pay for it to scale. That Yeah, that's the one trade-off, but it's possible for sure. Yeah. And I guess you, the, you've got to manage it. And if it's on yeah. your own, you've got to keep yeah. it updated, keep yeah. it running, keep it backed up. 
I, I guess the the decisions you'd make for a like a small community website would be different from the things you'd make if you were IKEA. Yeah. IKEA probably isn't going to be running Strappy on a VPS. <laughs> That's probably not a good yeah. solution. <laughs> not a good solution yeah. for them in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I mean, what are the things you should weigh up when picking a headless CMS solution? What are the things to be looking out for that are perhaps different from a, what we're used to evaluating for a, a traditional CMS? I think it depends. Well, so as a developer, you'll know what you'll be coding. So you can look at the API and what it looks like, whether you like it or not, how easy, like, does it support like GraphQL? I mean, everyone does these days, but stuff like that. Then I think it depends on the people who are going to spend the, a lot of time in the CMS team, right? Like as much as it's great for me if I like the API, but if the people who are going to write in the CMS hate it, then it's probably not the right choice. So I definitely think you probably want to invoice, involve these people <laughs> to the decision, right? Because they're going to be the ones spending time. I mean, for us, we want to make sure that we can retrieve everything we want from the API as developers, but definitely want your blog editor to give you the green light and make sure it has everything they need. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the API becomes really important. And I've seen headless CMSs with REST APIs, with GraphQL. And then various solutions have SDKs that you can import yeah. into your project that, that give you a, a language-native way of, of interacting. Is there anything you would, from a development point of view, that would be useful to look out for when evaluating like availability of SDKs or types of APIs? Yeah, for sure. If, if it's something you like, at the end of the day, the beauty of it is it's still an API call. So... Any language under the sun will support that, hopefully. Yeah, so so you can, so it, it's also up to you, right? Do you want like Python native SDK where it's just like, okay, I'm importing, th typing three lines of code and I do client.get entry and get this idea, whatever, or get these entries that are of this content type. I prefer that's great, but if you're the kind of person who's like, nope, I'm going to have complete control, it also goes back to what you said about owning your data, right? As a... Hmm. The problem with relying on, a, on an SDK is what happens when there's a security problem. What happened versus if it's you and you're just using the bare bones HTTP client on your language, that there's less there's less you know, risk, right? So it, it also depends on the kind of what you prefer working on. I've, you, you talked about the the sort of user interface aspect, and that's I mean it's got to be one of the big factors, isn't it? When you've yeah. got people entering content, creating content in a system and managing it. The, the user interface that's provided is a, a big factor there and how the data is. There are all sorts of different approaches, aren't there, in content management mm -hmm. to, to how you manage data, whether it's just one big WYSIWYG block of junk <laughs> or whether things are broken down to a granular level for sort of structured content. Yeah. Does I mean, I'm presuming that most headless uh, solutions still have some sort of user interface for, for editing content to get you started. Does that reflect what you've yeah. seen in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, everyone has a WYSIWYG, so some have varying degrees of support with Markdown, and again, the ecosystem of apps that I was talking about. So more and more players are having their own, and, and this helps also to extend it. So you can it can help with this discussion of like, if you're talking to a blog editor and it's like, ah, it's kind of there, but I pretty wish there was a field that could do X. And you could either extend it yourself or just look for another solution. But yeah, different teams have varying needs. And it could be small things like, for example, scheduling. Like, oh, I want to be able to have this campaign going. I want to make sure that from now, 
I can make sure a blog post goes on the Monday, another one goes on the Tuesday, another one goes on the Thursday. And if the interface for this is a nightmare versus something else that you might not need, like it, it depends, right? Like it's always, but yeah, it's crucial. Absolutely. And I guess if you've got very specific needs, in theory, you could use a headless CMS purely as a, a sort of content engine yeah. and have your own mechanisms for getting data in yeah. um, and basically write your own interface for writing into that yeah. um, system as well. Is that is a write interface something that everyone supports, or is it is that something a feature to look out for when evaluating? I, I wouldn't say I, I can't remember if like if there's one in particular who doesn't, it's but a, I, I know we definitely very, do. It's a it's, very broad question. Yeah, does, does it, with your extreme knowledge of a hundred percent of the marketplace, yeah. does every single <laughs> yeah. one? Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> But it's, yeah, I know we support it because it's also a thing with, with DevRel, you end up spending a lot more time in your product versus mm. the others who so tend to have a good, and this is where it's different to sales, what we were saying earlier, like uh, when someone comes up to me and say, oh, what is the one feature that is different? Well, I, I always say, well, it depends what you need. <laughs> like, what is the one reason I could choose Contentful? It's, and this is where like we very much differ from sales, which, which will have an, a list right there in the ready. And that would be like, oh, for sure, you should choose us because ABCD. And for, for us as developers, it's more like, well, what do you need? What kind of, what scale do you have? What do you like working on? How big is your team? It's a different question. But as far as writing, like having an API that works both ways, we definitely support it. And I would be surprised if others do not. It, it becomes quite crucial, doesn't it? Because uh, very few projects comparatively start with nothing. Most people have got some sort of um, system in place before and and taking the data that you've already got and migrating it in to a new mm -hmm. system um, can be a major project right <laughs> and, yeah. a, and a bit and a deal breaker um, for a lot of uh, sort of bigger use cases you've got to be able to get data in so having a, a CMS that has um, an API that you can write code and interface with whatever the previous system is yeah. get that code into a decent shape and then inject it into the headless system that's a, a major advantage isn't it yeah and you can think in terms of reproducibility as well because like migration is great but it would it's even better if you can say oh this is the exact script that i ran for migration as opposed to like just this collection of random you know, commands that i did on my machine and it's like oh beta's <laughs> over now it, it's much better to say oh we have this very defined way of transforming this data from this shape to that shape and the, having an API helps you with this for sure. I mean, hopefully gone are the days when you have two browser windows open and copy and paste content <laughs> yeah. from one form to another. I mean, I've certainly yeah. been there in the dim and distant past. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hopefully those <laughs> days are behind us. Is there anything that has particularly caught your attention? I think the composable thing is, I mean, it's been going on for a few months now. But it's definitely a shift, right? Everyone is starting to think, oh, maybe there's more than just the being the headless CMS solution. And obviously AI, which every market is talking about now, but it's it's also where like content and like especially written content is the first, right now at least, the very first industries to be impacted by it. So how do you integrate it? How do you make sure, like, how do you account for things like attribution? Like how much of this, like these are discussions that are happening in the content space, for sure, because it's it's definitely, at least right now, it's the first industry that it's really attacking. Mm. Yes, written content and things like images and there's yeah. Photoshop, new version of Photoshop's come out this last couple of weeks that has completely generative 
Phil in it, which is amazing. Yeah, it's so it's a brave new world, isn't it? Of, of From a content point of view, particular, it, it's a brave new world. And you mentioned attribution, and that's a minefield as well, isn't it? Figuring out how all that works when, when content has been generated from a, a model trained on we don't know what. Of, yeah, 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 who knows? Who knows yeah. what? So how can you attribute stuff? Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting time sort of going forward, figuring out how we do that. Is there anything else that, say I'm planning a, a project, I'm going to use a headless CMS. I've decided maybe I'm going to use Contentful and uh, I'm planning out this project. What should I be considering? What, what, what lies ahead of me? What should I be worrying about? Yeah. What, what is there that I should be thinking about on, on, on embarking on this? I think it's your content model. So it's the first thing to get right. Like we see sometimes like people like really overcomplicating things and like having different, like having content model for, if you think of like a, an index page, like having a separate content for, for like, for like a carousel. And then there's, there may be like a river type content. Like, do you know what I mean? Like in terms of like where you have an image on the left and text on the right, and then it follows by image on the right, text on the left. Mm -hmm. So, so you can. You can really overcomplicate things with content model because you could think, oh, this is oh, this is rivers is very different to a carousel, for example. Hmm. But then you can think, oh, wait, no, is it just an image with text with it? And, and then at the end of the day, oh, yeah, it is. So it's stuff like that where it's easy to over-engineer things. And then having like content models that are like carousel homepage one <laughs> and then about page carousel two. And it's like, well, no, these are the same thing. Right. Mm. So it's trying to think in, in the abstract way, even if it might be more code originally, because you're building more flexibility into what you're built, which you're into each of the content models, mm -hmm. the content types as well. But the but in the long run, that could save you. So it's about, I guess, thinking of what content you've got and what sort of different types it falls yeah. into. And what you might have in the sheet which is complicated for sure, because you can never mm. know. But trying to build flexibility of like, in terms of trying to think outside the box, like for example, oh, what if there was a caption in this river? What if one of the images was actually a video? The, these little tweaks like this, which will save you a lot of time in the long run, because it will prevent you from having to rethink everything later. From, from a, a development point of view, from a developer point of view, mm -hmm. one thing that always gives me uh, reassurance in my work is having a good test suite. Yeah. Of, that you can run to, to make sure that things aren't broken before you deploy. Yeah. Is there anything in terms of testing around content that we could make use of? For sure. It's the same. It's an API too. So if you think, if you can think of using something like, like Storybook, right, where you have your different components, you could say, right, so this is, as we said about, this is, this is a, gen a generic component. What happens if there's, if there's three instances of it? What happens if there's five? Mm. What happens again is if one of them is a video, it's this whole like <laughs> the meme, like QA engineer walks into a bar, like orders zero <laughs> beers, orders like a thousand beers, stuff like that. Um, orders an elephant. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So it's the, in, in that type of thing, you can build into test suite and see what happens. Yes, yeah, so that's quite interesting. I guess, it, again, it's the, the decoupling um, of, uh, of things that, that makes that really easy. Yeah. And I guess then with if you're running that storybook, you can then run it through some visual regression testing and spot breakages or, or what have you. Yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. You, so can think of, you can think of human errors too, right? Because sometimes when, you're, when you set up everything, you're like, oh yeah, of course they're going to have a lot, they're going to put a date on the article. 
But then sometimes you forget or sometimes there's something else and you realize, oh, that the date you published is different than the date you had in the article, whatever, like, or one of the author's Twitter doesn't work, like stuff like that. You, it is mm -hmm. like, it's uh, writing your test suite is a good time to think about these edge cases, right? Sorry, what was your question? Yes. No, I, I was just jabbering on. So uh, I, I, I remember years ago writing a, a sort of system for blogging and every one of the absolute required fields was a title for the blog post. Like it, I never, when I created it, I never even questioned would a title right. be optional. Like a yeah. title is like fundamental. Every blog yeah. post has a title. It's the H1. And then, yeah, right. right, and then you use that to generate the the sort of the nice slug for the URL mm -hmm. and all these sorts of things. And in listings, it's the title that appears. And then uh, Tumblr came out, and you could create all sorts of posts on that, and you didn't even need a date or a title. Oh, yeah. And I was, what madness is this? <laughs> but it's uh, like you're saying, it's sort of thinking outside of the box and thinking about the different types of content that you might have. Uh, and it turns out that fundamental assumption that I made um, early on in that system that we absolutely 100% always had a title became a limitation of yeah. what we could do with the system. Yeah. Um, because then when content came along that didn't have a title, I was stuffed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, Instagram is another example, right? Or as we said, the great thing about Headless is that it can go anywhere. But if you're also planning stuff that has to that is written in Contentful, but that will go on your website, your again, your catalog, but also on Instagram, mm. right? We have this great promotion this week for half price of whatever. Like on Instagram, that, that might just be the image and nothing else, right? And the description or something else. So yeah. Or you want to make sure you definitely don't pull the hashtag into the blog, <laughs> stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I guess just sort of thinking about Instagram and, and using content in that way, it opens up having this API with your content opens up all sorts of possibilities for like uh, generating images. You could, you could pull the content and render text onto an image and yeah. post it to Instagram and do all that sort of things that imagining doing that with a, a traditional CMS would just be, yeah. it'd be a flight of fancy. It'd be very, it'd be difficult. You'd be fighting against the system rather than working with it. Yeah. And this is where other features, as I said, like scheduling, for example, can be very important. Because you can say, I want to make sure that whenever this uh, campaign launches, we also have the Instagram stuff going out, which are, again, these images generated from the new publish in the CMS. And this is where you can you can have, you could, uh, this, this CMS itself can have a scheduler. You can use Zapier or you can use Zapier to capture it and run a script that will then generate the image. You can do all of this in a cron job somewhere. It depends. But this is where the, these features become important. Hmm. Your content then just sits as one one piece in a big chain of yeah. loosely joined elements that are delivering your various digital products or, or what have you yeah. out to your customers. And the yeah. composable stuff is about like this being less loose, right? <laughs> like is to hmm. make sure you have some kind of control that's defined, right? That's not like oh, there's this cron job here and this app here, and it's all duct tape. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, it gives you a level of control and potentially then like quality control or moderation or any of those sorts of steps that you might want to put in between rather than just because it would be possible to federate content in a front end JavaScript app. You could do that, but then you're missing that potential gatekeeping or any of those steps that you might want to put in and that having a platform that does it for you or enables that as a feature. Sounds super useful. So... We've been learning all about headless CMSs today. What have you been learning about lately, Alvin? I, I was on WebRush last week, 
So I did a lot of work with Astro, the different web framework. That, I mean, it's been out for a bit, but since mm. 2.0, I feel like they've really uh, stepped on the gas and like started releasing so many things. So I've really been looking into it and it, it's great. I'll have a blog post coming out. But yeah, I've been looking at the docs and learning a lot about the all the new features, like references, which are amazing. If you've had to deal with Markdown before, and the whole like type safety that they've added to Markdown, is it's really interesting. And the fact that they support all the frameworks is just even better. So I, yeah, been learning a, a lot about Astro recently. That's great. We I think yeah. we did an episode on Astro maybe a couple of years ago now. So perhaps it's time that yeah, uh, Smashing Podcast lot. revisited. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of new stuff that came out. That's amazing. If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Alvin, you can find his personal website with links to his various projects and social profiles at alvin.codes. Thanks for joining us today, Alvin. Do you have any parting words? No, th thank you for having me. I've been a reader of Smashing Mag for a long time. And my first article, I think, came out last year, which was also a great honor. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is Smashing. And that was our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And if you liked it, please share it with your friends. Find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com, on Twitter at Smashing Mag, Smashing Magazine on Facebook, or in the supermarket by the cat food. Thank you.